if you're getting the boring stuff right and you're getting it done and done efficiently, that is where you really make gains. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation, and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by CBRE. CBRE is the global leader in real estate operations, providing solutions to the world's largest energy, oil, and gas companies. CBRE supports their clients' facilities both upstream and downstream without compromising safety by delivering strategies that optimize operations, reduce costs, and risk. Unlock the power of your energy, oil, and gas portfolio with CBRE. Learn more at www.cbre.com forward slash EOG. Before I introduce this week's guest, I wanted to ask everyone, like I always ask, please leave me a review in iTunes. I love reading them on the show, and I love getting the feedback. Also, if you're interested in getting your hands on some OGGN laptop hard hat stickers, check out the show notes for a 10-second survey, and we'll get those shipped out to you. Okay, well, let's get into this week's guest. I'm sitting here today with Dr. Joseph Bettier, geothermal lead at Tavera and host of the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast. What's up, Joe? Hello. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on the show. It's exciting to be here, to be on one of the other OGGN shows and being able to talk about my role in the industry well, as a leader. Yeah. Well, I mean, you drove all the way from Dallas to do it. So that's pretty cool of you. I appreciate yes, it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's always fun. The drive. I actually do like the drive this time of year because if you get earlier, you get to see the blue bonnets. And then depending on when you go, you get to see different phases of the wildflowers going from Dallas to Houston. Oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't even think about it that way. I'm usually like, oh, I have to drive to Dallas. Right now, they're these pretty yellow and oranges. So it kind of looks reminiscent of everything being on fire. But it's also kind of <laughs> cool if you catch it during the sunrise or during the sunset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. That's great. Yeah. No, I've never even noticed that. I guess it's been a hot minute since I've been to Dallas, to be honest. Well, no, I just went through there to get to Oklahoma City, but I guess I was a little premature on that. So that's really cool. So, Joe, let's talk about how you actually began in the industry. Yes. Yeah. So how I began in the industry, really, I'll go back all the way to grad school. Okay. Because a lot of my industry experience, I guess you could say, is more on the academic side working on very, very early stage fundamental science and exploration. But the way I started was I'm a geologist. I really love the outdoors. Wanted to find a way to get somebody else to pay for me to go look at cool rocks. <laughs> and through a lot of work, a lot of research, a lot of time in the lab and doing painstaking research, I found a way to get a Fulbright and go to Iceland for my master's. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I went there to study geothermal energy. So did that, then came to Dallas to get a PhD in geothermal energy, basically geophysics, focused on resource exploration. And 
that parlayed into consulting work in oil and gas, looking more at the basin modeling and early stage oil and gas maturation, but then also geothermal resource characterization and energy exploration. All right. That was a whole lot of stuff. I understand, but don't quite understand. Can you exactly explain what geothermal is? Yes. Yeah. Where I can understand it, please. So geothermal (laughs) energy at the simplest sense is the heat that's coming up out of the earth. And that heat, depending on what temperature it's at, you could either use it for something like a hot spring at a resort Uh if it's low temperature. If it's high temperature, you can actually take that, produce steam, and generate electricity the same way that you spin a steam turbine. Ah, okay. So when you're doing geothermal energy exploration, you are essentially trying to explain what the heat signature is in the subsurface Uh and finding the areas where that signature is conducive to producing for energy. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, so I've heard the term geothermal well. Yeah. What does that mean? So that is... It's similar to an oil and gas well? Yep. Similar to an oil and gas well, a geothermal well is just a well that is drilled that, in conventional terms, you're drilling that well to produce hot water. So it's a large diameter well bore. Think of something that's more equivalent or looks more like an offshore well as far as the well design. Uh Uh-huh. And the goal there is to be producing 100,000 barrels of water a day. That would be a good geothermal well. And that hot water is usually north of 300 Fahrenheit, really three to 500 Fahrenheit. That's a conventional geothermal system. Interesting. Interesting. And what type of water comes out? Is there salt in it? Is it fresh water? It can be anything, really. Interesting. Most of the time, it is some type of brine, so it has some amount of salt. There are systems, geothermal systems, that are so fresh that you could actually drink the water if you were brave brave enough. (laughs) But then there are others like the Salton Sea down in Southern California, where you're talking about hundreds of thousands of PPM in the water, and those wells foul up in months to years. Their biggest challenge is actually being able to keep wells open because of how much total dissolved solids are in the water. Okay. And this can be found around the world, right? It can. That is where the geothermal industry is today, where there's traditional geothermal, which is all basically ring of fire Uh right around the Pacific. That's been the traditional focus. Where we are at today, we're in this renaissance, but also a new paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. So it's a renaissance because everybody's excited about geothermal itself. But then it's this new paradigm shift where we're bringing in new technologies and new funding coming from the oil and gas industry, applying horizontal drilling technology, new drilling technology to speed up the drilling, right? and then fracture design, stimulation plans. All of that is trying to get to the idea of geothermal anywhere. So there are companies here in Texas where they're drilling wells to try and produce geothermal energy within a day trip of Houston. Hmm. That's like 30 years ago, people would have said, yeah, there are resources there, but we don't know how to produce them in an economic way. Whereas today, there are companies getting funded to go and do that. Okay. All right. So 
Well, let's talk about your podcast. All right. I guess it's pretty self-explanatory, but how does that play in your knowledge of geothermal energy? Yeah. So the podcast, Energy Transition Solutions, I talk about everything energy transition. Really, I know I had a mission statement when I started 100 or so episodes ago, but now I start to think about it like, to me, the mission is to answer the question, how do we keep the standard of living today that we have, how do we spread that around the world? Uh How do we do that in a reliable, resilient, and abundant way while also helping decarbonize and essentially keep the environment as clean as it is or cleaner? Right. So that's the goal. And the way geothermal works into that is whenever anybody asks me, I say it is an all of the above answer. But geothermal is the bottom line. That's right. the foundation of the answer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see where we're going with that. So congratulations on your 100th episode. Thank you. We have hit that, right? Yeah. When this show drops, it should be. Okay. Because good. it's next week. Oh, that's awesome. So this should be like Yay, a congrats. month after that. Yeah. 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 Congratulations on that. So of all of your episodes that you've put out, which one do you think is your favorite? Which one is my favorite? I mean, because there's a lot of them. I get it. There's a, yeah. Ironically, the ones that I think are most fascinating are mining episodes. Really? Where we're talking about critical metals mining for either lithium or cobalt or something that's going into all of these batteries. Yeah. And I think it's so fascinating because, and I've got a few of them. There's one with Lithium Americas, one with the Metals Corporation, and I think there's a few others as well. But it's so fascinating because the mining industry, I think, is this, they're in this unique spot where they are actively, I mean, for lack of a better term, they are going in, they are disrupting the earth, they're strip mining or somehow changing what you're looking at at the surface. Mm -hmm. But those are necessary minerals for the way that we have our current lives. Yeah. And so they are very cognizant of the relationship that they have to have with the local people, with the community, and how they have to have a forward-looking engagement strategy as well as a backward-looking, like once we're done, once we've extracted everything, we still have to have like a 30 or 50-year plan of remediation. And after the remediation, like how do we make kind of bring this back to not just remediation, but rehabilitation and rewilding of the area? Yeah. So that actually brings me to a good question is what are the disposal measures of lithium? And once that battery dies, what happens to it? That is a good question. I want to have somebody on the podcast, everybody out there listening I want to have somebody talk about lithium recycling Yeah, because there's a lot of government funding right now trying to find a better way to recycle lithium. And yeah, as we're using all of it, right? and as these batteries have, they have a finite number of cycles that they can operate, and then you have to recondition them or somehow recycle them so that they can essentially be brand new. And that... I don't think anybody's really, I don't know of anybody who's figured out a good, clear way. I can't point to you and tell you, this is the company that you should go talk to about that. And I think that in itself is a problem. Right. Yeah. That's why I was like, wait a second. (laughs) What do we do when we're done? Yeah. I can say with some confidence 
that I don't think they're ending up in landfills. I think people see and recognize the value and at the very least they're stockpiling them until there is a functional and economic way to recycle them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because I was really concerned, especially now that we're coming out with all these electric vehicles and sorts. So I was just like, hmm, I should ask Joe. He should know, but he don't. (laughs) No, no. But the fact that I don't know, I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I've talked to a lot of people now that their main focus is one small part of renewable energies. And I've talked to solar providers and I've not talked to any battery makers, but I've Mm. talked to five or six different mining companies and they all know their area. But so far, nobody's talked about what do you do after the battery is no longer useful? Yeah, yeah. Well, somebody come on Joe's show so we can figure this out, please. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about what you do at Tavera specifically. Yes. So at Tavera, I am the geothermal lead. What that means is I am responsible for our geothermal team, which is part business development, going out there, getting new clients and helping clients understand what they're trying to figure out and then formulating what that work process looks like Uh and then guiding my team to do that work. Okay. Yeah. Because I noticed that you do a lot of traveling and you do a lot of speaking at several different places. I think the last place you told me you went was Oklahoma to talk to a college. Yeah. So that's the other aspect of it is as the geothermal lead and kind of the geothermal expert at Tavera, I also lead our training program for the geothermal classes. So we also do training programs at Tavera. And I would say there's business development, which is an important part of any company, but for the geothermal industry and for my role at Tavera, there's a lot of general education that needs to still be had right. so that geothermal can be a common household word, yeah. just like oil, just like gas. The goal is that everybody would be able to talk about geothermal energy and have at least an idea of what they're actually talking about. Right, right. Well, I think after this launches, everybody will understand now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It'll totally be household. Yeah, of course, of course. (laughs) Okay, well, let's get into leadership. Joe, what is leadership to you? Leadership, to me, it is being able to empower and inspire others. So I was thinking through this. I listened to some of your podcasts, so that way I could get a take on the questions and When I think about leadership, oftentimes it comes out as like some quote. Yeah, yeah. Lead from behind and everybody will want to follow or like something like that. Something cliche. Yeah, something (laughs) cliche. And to me, what, and I also just listened to the audiobook Good to Great talking about leadership. And so to me, the idea of leadership really is to get your team excited to do their job. And they may not necessarily care about steps one, two, and three, because those may just be tedious and boring and something, but they're necessary. Right. So really, it's exciting them to get those done so that they can see the light at the end of the tunnel and say, okay, we are working for this greater cause. We have something that we are trying to get done. And so it's a, it's inspiring them to do that but then also empowering them to get that done, especially if there's steps that they don't know how to do or they want to try and find a different way to do them. Yeah, I understand that. So do you have an example of a difficult experience you may have had as a leader or in leadership? Yeah, so I think 
part of it, kind of going along those lines and thinking about like the podcast and my role at Tavera and the goal and ideas of like empowering and inspiring. Right. For me personally, there is this responsibility to share truth and facts and while doing that, being realistic, but also still optimistic. Yeah. So a realistic optimism. And I think there have been times where I think there's just been like hard conversations that I've had to have where it's like, well, no, that's not right. Right. And that's not how you can go about doing that. This is not going to give you truthful answers that we want to be hanging our hat on. Or there's been guests where I've been like, I don't think that that's a truthful statement you're making. Right. And like, we're either going to cut this part out or we need to do some fact checking here before this show drops. Yeah, yeah. And then there's been times where I've had to do that, where I have gone through after the conversation and been like, actually, I was way off base on that and I need to add a correction to a show. Yeah, yeah, I know. Of all the people, I totally understand that because I feel we hold this huge responsibility that what we are saying to all these listeners is matter of fact. And you know, I make mistakes. We're only human, right? So if anybody ever is like, Paige, you made a mistake. Please write in. Yeah, let me know. Let me know. Well, I would like to correct myself publicly to make sure that people are getting the right information. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because we don't want to be spreading misinformation. Correct. Yeah. Especially when we're talking about something that is such an important topic, that being energy and oil and gas. I mean, it is the lifeblood of society. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What's the most rewarding thing about leadership? The most rewarding thing is that aha moment when somebody finally gets it. So there have been, I remember there's this one time with one of my employees where it was early on and I was teaching them something that didn't necessarily, it was common sense to me, or maybe I was taking it for granted because I had been doing it for the past 10 years. Yeah, And I was like, oh, they don't get this. So I need to walk them through it. And then when it finally clicked in their mind, like, oh, that's why you do it. That's how you do it. And this is where it's going to take us and why it's important. And then you can see the next three steps of like, okay, now I know how to automate it because I can actually see the process in my mind. Now I can see maybe there's these ways that we can get that data that make it faster. And these are ways that ultimately what you're doing, Joe, is great but we can make it better and ultimately make our work better. That's cool. Streamlining it. Yeah. Figuring out, okay, I figured out what he was trying to tell me because I had to sit down and actually absorb it and look at it in a different way and then go, oh, I can make efficiencies to this. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Right on. So it's like that, I guess there's the understanding and then inspiring part mm-hmm. and then empowering them by giving them that knowledge to understand it, now they're empowered to go and make it better. Very good. Very good. So if you had a piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? My audience is anywhere from people such as yourself, CEOs, people not even in the industry. When I was thinking about this, the only thing that I could come up with is just go and talk to people, go and network and I know it's hard and awkward. I think I'm definitely an introvert. Yeah, you're in good company. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think it's usually if we end up at an industry mixer, we'll sit there and talk in the corner for 
for 45 minutes. <laughs> and then we're told, hey, you guys really need to be out there mingling. Yeah, yeah. That so, always happens to us. So Definitely, like, if you can, go and talk to people because that, I mean, that's how I ended up as host of Energy Transition is I sent Mark an email and said, hey, I want to help out any way I can. And when he called, I picked up the phone. That's another one. I like picking up phones of unknown numbers. I did that today. <laughs> just because like, you never know who it's going to be and what the conversation will be. Yeah, it's one usually those, spam. It's usually, usually, <laughs> usually it's spam. But every once in a while, meaning maybe once or twice in your whole life, maybe somebody will offer you a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Didn't we end up meeting you at NAPE? Was it Nape or somewhere else? No, it was essentially my email cold call. Yeah. They got me the show. Then we met at Nape like six months after that phone call. Yeah, that's right. And then two years later, the show launched. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's quite the process here. Yes, it is a process. If somebody offers you a podcast, just know it might take a little while. Well, especially if you want to get paid for it. So there's that. And so (laughs) huge shout out to AWS Energy. Yes. AWS, my sponsor. They've been great to work with and they're doing some really cool stuff. I always like it when they say, hey, have you heard of this company? Maybe they'd be interesting. And anybody they send me, they are always fascinating, very fun to talk to and are always doing really cool things. That's awesome. If you have any leaders, throw them away. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So what book has influenced you the most? Well, of course, it sounds like a common theme for your podcast is the Bible. I'm going to stick with that. The Bible, number one, it's up there. Besides that, because everybody reading the Bible is already reading it. So other books that people can read, there is a book that I recently read called Outdoor Kids in an Inside World. Interesting. So that is by Stephen Rinella. Uh That is the guy that one of your past guests was talking about, the Meat Eaters podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is his network. Interesting. So the book, and I think it's good. Anybody who's a parent should read it, even if they don't like the outdoors. I think there are a lot of other things in there. Mm Mm-hmm. But also just from a standpoint of a leader, like as a parent, you are leading your children, whether you like it or not. Right. So you are a leader. Yeah. And I think that book teaches these leadership qualities with the mindset of you are training malleable young minds. And that's kind of what you're doing as you're bringing up early career people. So a lot of it in there is like the easiest way to put it to save time is like the way that we grew up, like going outside, eating dirt, going fishing, being on your bike until the sun goes down, catching fireflies. Those are things that I imagine kids don't do anymore. And there are a lot of life lessons in all of that. Yeah. Like scraping your knee, having failure, having to reworm your hook and then have that worm get taken again five times before you catch a fish. So yeah. that failure, that resiliency, that... Flipping a four-wheeler. <laughs> I did that once. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not too many flip four-wheelers. <laughs> I know somebody who got um, who broke their back doing that. Oh, yeah. No, I flipped it on a gravel road. Cool. And I pushed it off by myself. I had all the adrenaline in the world took Man. care of that. Yeah. So just like those experiences and what kind of lessons can be learned from that And how you can turn those things that seem like they are just kids playing into life lessons and building character. Yeah. No, I like that. What is your most used business tool? My most used business tool is 
probably Excel and PowerPoint. Yeah. I mean, those are the ones that I'm in very frequently. It's boring, but that's what I do most days is either I'm building a PowerPoint or I'm writing or reading one of our reports or I am crunching numbers in Excel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wish I had a cool, fun answer for that one. (laughs) Something that people could take away. But I think somebody had a good quote for that, like, boring is best or something like that, Hmm. where if you're getting the boring stuff right and you're getting it done and done efficiently, that is where you really make gains. Right. Yeah. No, that makes complete sense. So- Who is your most respected competitor? Most respected competitor. Well, I know recently you had our CEO on and he talked about Tavera and competitive aspects of that. Right. So I'm going to answer for the podcast. Okay. Now, my most respected competitor, I would have to go with this guy. I always forget his name. It's like Jordan Drakel or Driskel. Driskillet. Driskillet. (laughs) Something. Jordan Driscoll of the, and he has our geopolitics podcast. He gets a lot of stuff right, but I got to say there are a lot of things he leaves out. And I think he, (laughs) he tries to make it entertaining and just, he shortens it too much. He doesn't (laughs) like, if I'm going to a geopolitics podcast, I want to feel like I'm watching C-SPAN and seeing (laughs) them in the chambers. But I guess he wants to like get people excited about politics and I don't know why you'd want to do that. (laughs) Oh, so what makes you better than the geopolitics podcast? What makes me better than the geopolitics podcast? Well, I think there are a lot of great things about the geopolitics podcast, but not to toot my own horn too much, but my podcast is being led by a doctor, me. So with that, I would have to say, if you want to learn something and learn kind of really technical stuff and hopefully not too much jargon, but you can walk away with some new knowledge, you could come and listen to my podcast. If you want good, I would say the kind of barroom banter or the information that is fun little quips, that is what you go to Jordan's show for. That's and you true. Can, you can learn a lot of really cool things and be like, did you know Teapot Dome was this big scandal? Mm-hmm. It's really just two different goals there. Yeah. And ultimately, education and exciting people about energy. But to me, I think the people who are going to listen to my show want to find cool new up-and-coming companies to invest in. The people who listen to Jordan's show, I would say, want to learn something while being entertained and maybe having their nightly relaxing beverage. Are you saying you're not entertaining? Oh, no. I'm entertaining (laughs) as well. But I just wanted to clarify. I think this is the easiest way to put it. For me, I listen to everything on 2X. I listen to everything double speed. I think my show is one of those that if you listen to it on double speed you might have a hard time picking up everything. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, no, I can see that. Which isn't necessarily a good thing, but that's what my show is. Okay, all right, right on. Take that, Jordan. (laughs) Yeah, Jordan's Jordan's is a (laughs) two-speed. 
I wonder if mine is a is mine a two speed? It is a two speed, isn't it? I listened to it on two speed. Okay, so that's probably what everybody else does. Okay, but I also listen to mine on two speed. I listen to everything on two speed. Oh yeah, well that's fair. I mean, you can only pack so many podcasts in because yeah. there are so many. There's so many out there. Yeah, yeah. So, what is your most important lesson learned, Joe? The most important lesson. I think the most important lesson is collaboration. Uh Right now, with the geothermal industry, we are all fighting for this pie. And I'm sure plenty of people have heard this, like we're all trying to get this slice of pie. And right now that pie is like one of those little tiny frozen key lime pies Uh that you can buy in the grocery store in Key West. Whereas what we want is like, we want the award-winning Texas State Fair pie that can feed an army. Yeah. And we're too focused on how small the pie is right now and trying to get our slice of it, as opposed to trying to work together to make a bigger pie. And it's inhibiting the geothermal industry from growing because we're too busy just trying to find our little, little piece of the pie right now. So I think that that's where it is. And it's the same with the podcast. Right. There have been multiple times where I have one person on and then the next week I have somebody on. I'm like, oh, you guys need to be connected because your solution feeds right into what they're doing. And ultimately, you could make such a better, eloquent thing that so many people want if you guys would just talk together. But you've never heard of each other. That's kind of cool that you get to make that connection. Yeah. That's really neat. That's a really cool experience to be like, hey, you didn't know you existed. You didn't know you existed. Here you go. That's fantastic. Yep. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So how is your role important to the future of the industry? My role is important to the future of the industry, I think, in a, I don't know how to phrase it. I would say it's a vital role Right. in that as we're talking about ESG, as we're talking about setting net zero targets and as sustainability and carbon neutrality are becoming more and more of a talking point and getting into financial reports for companies. Yeah. I think one of the things that they need to know is what opportunities are there out there that they can either just directly invest in and make it simple because there are going to be much more much smarter and much brighter and more experienced people who can find oil way better than somebody like myself. And they're going to be able to find it and make it as cleanly and cheaply and most efficiently as they can. Right. But ultimately, if higher up from the boardroom, they're being said, well, we still need to be net zero, like them finding oil in the best way possible helps that. But you still need something else to invest in to offset the oil that is being produced. Right. So being able to share those stories from one aspect is a way to help people find those opportunities. And then with the geothermal, helping share that knowledge and see how do you apply all of your oil and gas skills into geothermal exploration or what geothermal resources do these companies already have that they don't realize. Those are aspects where my experience and what I'm doing today can directly help these companies go from what they were an oil and gas company 
into what they're changing their names to an energy company. Yeah. My role and people like me are physically going to help them realize that aspirational change that they are putting in front of everybody. Very good. Very good. What are your thoughts about telling someone about this industry that doesn't quite understand the industry? I think that there are a lot of misconceptions that if they would only go to one conference or one mixer, that they would meet so many great people, see a lot of really cool cutting edge technology. And I think they would have a deep and profound respect for the people in the industry and also the products that come from the industry. Because I mean, in this podcast studio, I mean, the table itself, part of it is made of wood, but the paint on top is- I made this, by the way. You did? Yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah, I made it. Yeah, it's a pretty nice table. Thanks. So the byproducts of the oil and gas industry are extremely important. Yeah. Like nearly everything in here is made of hydrocarbons. And I don't think people all, they don't all realize that. And they don't all realize that not only is the product of the oil and gas industry and of energy making life possible, Mm -hmm. but the people who are helping produce that are some of the best people in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're like one big family. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I really love about the industry. Okay. So I think I already know the answer to this, but what's your favorite podcast? (laughs) So, yep. I will give my own podcast a shout out, Energy Transition Solutions. I do like the other OGGN podcasts. I will catch them depending on now I will catch more of them that we are posting about them more. So I'll see them. And typically for podcasts, I'll just, if it sounds like an interesting title, I'll click on it. Now I do have other ones that I listen to the Steve Rinella, the meat eater podcast. Right. And then also on the Meat Eater Network, there's one called Bear Grease. Oh. And that is Clay Newcomb. That one is more of a storytelling podcast. Uh Uh-huh. So that one is fun. He talks a lot about outdoorsy history. So right now he's going through a series all about Davy Crockett. Okay. Right on. So to me, that is like the outdoors version and clean version of the geopolitics podcast. <laughs> it's all a bunch of history and why it matters. Oh, the one thing you didn't mention was that you and your wife have a podcast. <laughs> we do. We do. We have a podcast. It's called But Here We Go. And this was actually all because of you. Really? Yes. So, Paige, thank you for getting me and my wife podcasting. How did that occur? When you trained me for having the podcast. You were like, you should practice, just go and and like record, just get on there with you and your wife and just sit there and just talk. So that way you can like play with the dials, hear each other speak, see what it's like and try and figure out how to use it. And what that turned into was a podcast that we did weekly for almost a year And now we've dropped off to like monthly just because. Yeah, no life. Yeah. Once you stop dropping shows every week, all of a sudden it just like, it doesn't happen. Well, that's so cool. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So, but here we go. Sponsored by Paige Wilson. (laughs) That's so awesome. I had no idea. Well, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Thanks for joining me, Rock Doc. People want to reach out to you and or get to know more about Tavera or your podcast. How might they go about doing so? I would say finding me on LinkedIn is the easiest. Just search my name, I guess. I think it's Joseph Batir. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes for everybody. And you can find Tavera. So Tavera is spelled T-E-V-E-R-R-A. So Tavera.com. You can find us there, learn all about the geothermal, the CCS, and the geomechanics work that we do. Basically, if you've got questions about the subsurface, we can find the answers for you. Perfect. Perfect. And of course, if whatever you're listening to me on right now, you can also find Joe under his name or Energy Energy Transition, Transition Solutions. Solutions. We changed the name so much, I still yeah. struggle with it. So. <laughs> Yep. All right. Well, that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.